pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 257. Today I'm going to chat with Chuck Rossi from Open Source Defense, discuss the assault weapon ban now headed to the Senate, highlight a new PCC for Maxim Defense, and talk about a man arrested over a meme. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. I, on the other hand, am not doing as well. Unfortunately, I just found out today that my house is not going to be sold. The sale, I guess, fell through because we couldn't reach an agreement, which what they were asking was like ridiculous. It was like, I mean, I looked at it and it was like, actually ended up being 45000 less. Oh, man, that's insane. I know. They were just kind of being pretty unreasonable, but it does suck because now I have to start all over again. I've already packed up most of my house, so it's literally boxes in all of these rooms, which is why if you guys hear an echo, I'm in a room that's totally empty at this point. There's a plant, actually, (laughs) and there's peaches, but she's only four pounds. But yeah, so now I have to stage my house again, and then I leave for Sturgis on Thursday, and it just, sometimes you just got to love life, right? It'll all work out. Actually, the good news is you're still in a pretty strong market, so uh, the house should sell again. But yeah, you always deal with these flaky things when a when a big purchase like this comes around. So I know. Hang in there. I know. Yeah. So I have a month and a half to sell my house. Well, to close on it. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Otherwise, a cardboard box after everything I've gone through the last couple of months is looking pretty good. <laughs> it's all fun and games though until it rains. All right. So before we get into the show, so Smith and Wesson. They have their Shield Plus chambered in 30 Super Carry, which, Chuck, do you have any experience with 30 Super Carry? Have you had the chance to try it out? Not yet. It looks pretty interesting. Um, Of course, I'm here in California, so we have a little bit of a problem with new pistols and things um, in that there's effectively a handgun ban. So uh, that should go away at some point, but uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll admire it from afar from right now. Right. You could, yeah. Well, it's all right. You could just live vicariously through me. So let me tell you all about 30 Super Carry. (laughs) It's actually a pretty cool cartridge. I think it's going to be taking over. It'll probably take a little while before it's like well stocked in stores. I mean, just like with any ammo at this point, but I think once more manufacturers jump on board, like Smith & Wesson, creating the Smith & Wesson Shield Plus that we love, but now chambered in 30 Super Carry so that it holds now 16 rounds in the extended mag. Wow. So yeah, quite a few uh, for such a small gun. And then in the flush mag, 13 rounds, which is pretty incredible. And the 30 Super Carry has a lot less recoil than your typical nine, but very similar power to nine millimeter. If you guys want to check out more about their 30 super carry shield plus head on over to smith-wesson.com. MSRP on these is a five ninety five. Nice. I'm really encouraged how, uh, the uptake on newer cartridges is uh, so much easier nowadays to get spun up and, and, uh, do things like this. Right. Um, um it's really encouraging. Yeah, I agree. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
Okay. So Chuck, I am really happy to have you on. You've actually, you've helped me out a few times when I found myself in a pickle I have, yeah. and I'd actually was thinking, cause I don't think we've met in person at all. Uh, we bumped together at SHOT Show probably two, three, well, it must have been three years now. Um, you were kind enough to send me a care package after we met. Um, but yeah, we we bumped in briefly at SHOT, but you meet bump into about a thousand people at SHOT, so it's, right. uh, it's hard to remember. For people who don't know what you do, just kind of give us a little background as to what it is that you're doing. And I guess just, yeah, just your background. Sure. So I spent 30, 35 years in the tech industry here in, uh, or up in Silicon Valley, California. And I worked for tons of tech companies, starting with IBM and then uh, a lot of smaller startups that turned into huge things like VMware and Google and Facebook. I was an early employee at all those places and had a very tech-centric uh, life out there. And after leaving tech in 2018, um, I co-founded a group called Open Source Defense. And I'd encourage people to go check us out at opensourcedefense.org. But basically, we're a Second Amendment advocacy group, uh, 100% gun rights, 0% culture war. And we're a group of people who probably don't fit the normal kind of the stereotypical bearded white guy, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, gun owner, although probably a percentage of us are bearded white guys to some degree, but we have different uh, backgrounds. We're not the more rural types. We're definitely more urban coastal elite. If you, you know, kind of that mm-hmm. kind of stereotype yeah. of New York city, Silicon Valley, West coast. I'm in Los Angeles area now in orange County. So we, uh, have a mix of different views and different circles and have a different approach to how we're going to, you know, move Second Amendment rights forward. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that comes through our newsletter and our Twitter feed, which are the main products of our uh, of our efforts to date. So I'd encourage people to absolutely go check those out. Um, and I think they'll find it a kind of a fresh look at a much more contemporary look at the, the problems facing us today. Nice. I like it. Before we get more into talking about open source defense, I'm curious about your background growing up and at what point did you get into firearms? Yeah, I didn't, like I said, I'm not from a rural or a gun owning family. I was the first person in my family to to own guns from, you know, Irish and Italian immigrants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, in high school, had a buddy, Patrick, who was into guns and came from a more rural county uh, where I was in New York. I was in Westchester County. Uh, he was over in Putnam County. And uh, Patrick already had a very, you know, very good love for guns. And in high school, we became uh, buds and he got me into it. We'd leave. This is like in the 80s. This is the high, this is the high days of like the shotgun news. If you remember that, there was a newspaper called the shotgun news. That was a dealer paper, basically. And this is where you could buy FNFALs and, and all these crazy things through the mail. And Dang. it was awesome. So that got me bootstrapped in it. And of course, uh, my parents, uh, who knew nothing about guns, but if you're a parent, you just want your kid to latch onto something, like mm-hmm. have an interest for God's sake, just do something. Yeah. As long as it's and, not drugs, right? Yeah. As long as it's not <laughs> drugs or, or getting you know, someone pregnant. Maybe, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can make a list of things that maybe not might yeah. be your top thing, but <laughs> this certainly fell into a spot of like, okay, it's reasonable. Um, we can enable this. We can help. We'll do it safely and correctly and get you the resources and even, even help me financially get my first two guns, which was like a Ruger 1022 and a, um, and eventually a Remington 700 BDL in 2506, which was a great, cool wildcat at the time. And that got me into competition shooting, long range, 200 meter kind of NRA high power competition, which I did out in Connecticut. 
And so that bootstrap process of like, okay, I instantly know reloading. I know ballistics. I, I get the precision part of this. The safety stuff's drilled in. I'm good to go. I have all the tools I need because I had mentors. I had a, a, a person they found who was a, a, you know, a gun nut in the, in the, down the street. And he was fantastic and, and gave all his time and energy as a mentor to, to help me learn to reload and what the comp had to optimize myself for the competition. And I cannot stress enough, if you are able to be a mentor to someone in like the high school range, what you can, those, if you do it well and, and kind of let them naturally find that passion, you will get, you know, an advocate for life, uh, but do it well, do it gently and, and be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's what I had. And that got me, me going. And that, you know, 30 years later wound up with me as the gun guy, quote unquote, at Facebook, who was basically the only guy who, who understood guns and could help with policies and decisions there. Nice. And for one, I love your advice and I couldn't agree more. What was it like working at Facebook and being the gun guy? So it was pretty fine. I mean, I know everyone's got a really bad opinion of Meta right now, you know, Facebook. And having been there 11 years from like early, like late 2007, early 2008, there was 300 employees when I started. There were less than, I think there were about 10 million users on the site, Mm -hmm. 10, 13 million users on the site. And I will say that the genesis was pure. I mean, I I would listen to, you know, Mark to Zuckerberg every week. There'd be like a little all hands Q&A, which continues to this day. And, you know, hearing firsthand of what the objective was, what the strategy was, what we were after it was, you know, quite simply to connect the world mm-hmm. and not, you know, making money was absolutely secondary uh, as far as like exploiting people or exploiting or quote unquote selling, you know, selling data, which still doesn't happen to this day. But, you know, you can't beat back that that, that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw firsthand where what we, what we could have done with this data and the information we had to make money was limitless. What we actually did was nothing. You know, it was using Things in the abstract, things in, in never personal information, but more like information about a group or interest or things in the general sense to mm-hmm. provide better ads, which has been the model since since advertising, right? Since Madison Avenue. Mm-hmm. So all the exploits that we could have done to milk it for money were not done explicitly by Mark because he didn't want to make money that way. He wanted to connect people. The money would come, you know, as a secondary thing. So that was the case for many, many years. And I say everything was pretty fun at Facebook until about 2016 (laughs) when, uh, you know, both at Facebook and probably across the country in the 2014, 2016 range, things really changed. And at that point, politics kind of came more into it and things got a little rougher. At no time was I ever squelched for being the gun person or, or felt like I couldn't say like, oh, yeah, I love guns. I got guns. Let's go shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I took, you know, we, we have these corporate offsites. Most big companies have this idea of a, you can do a corporate offsite once a quarter, once every two quarters, team building, all that nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually useful. It's fun. Yeah. And we had a budget, I think $100 a quarter per person that we could go and organize, a, you know, a, a ball game or a dinner or go out and drink or whatever it was. And somebody had the idea, like, well, I want to take my team to the shooting range and being that, okay, go talk to Chuck. He knows about guns. He'll tell you where to go. Well, I told him there's no place to go like that. Right. And I think that's still (laughs) true to this day. You can't, there's very few places that'll do a corporate kind of day at the range. So like without thinking, and I said, well, I'll do it. (laughs) I did it for four years. 
And I took over a thousand people over four years to the range to go shoot guns with Dang. Facebook pay. Right? Facebook paid, you know, for thousands upon thousands of rounds of ammunition and all the fees to do that. So, and these people had never seen a gun. Like the majority of these people had never seen a gun in real life. The mm-hmm. ones I took. They're all, you know, pencil neck geeks and nerds and all from, again, from either coastal elites, from top universities, or they were foreigners from India, China, um, all over Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. um, which is a big part of the tech workforce, right? So that introduction to well over a thousand people, you know, had some great results. And I got to tell you, out of literally a thousand people, I think there's a one person who didn't enjoy the experience. Wow. So one in, one in a thousand was, uh, was like, nah, this is not for me. And is that what they said or did they just... That's pretty much kind of what they said. They were nice about it. And yeah. again, we present this again, the key is in presentation and how you do these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll give myself a little credit in being able to do this in a way, non-confrontational, non-political, mm-hmm. in such a way. This is, no, this is not indoctrination. This is not an, an uh, you know, an NRA, you know, uh, love fest. This is you learning about something, learning a skill, trying mm-hmm. something like to do this yourself would be a major pain in the neck to like, Go rent a gun, ammunition, get a range, get an instructor, get a whole course. You know, this is all being taken care of for you. You just show up it's a t- from 10 to 4. You get lunch. You show up at 10. You leave at 4. That's what's required from you. Mm-hmm. Right? And then pay attention between. So that easy introduction with no politics and, you know, you talk about things, but in such a way like, oh, those, you know, it's those Democrats doing it. They're doing this <laughs> and that, which is Entirely true in California, but that's not the point of the discussion, right? Yeah. You don't have to say it even that way. It's like, well, the debate is the debate around quote unquote assault rifles is this. And then you tell them what the reality is. And the beauty thing, the beautiful thing about gun control, when you explain what's happening reasonably in a normal tone of voice mm-hmm. to a reasonable person, like universally they say, well, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are they banning that? Why is that law like that? Why can't I buy that? Mm-hmm. So it's like it solves it's a self-solving problem. Yeah, I so that was the Facebook agree. experience for me, at least on the on the gun side. I'm surprised that Facebook allowed you to take all these people and go shooting. I mean, politics aside, if nothing else, I wonder just the liability of that. Yeah, it's not clear how under the radar I was with that. I, yeah. mean, I was pretty well known in the company at that point. I had uh-huh. been there so long and I, I headed up a, a department that was an engineering department that was pretty key to the we were a pretty famous infrastructure software infrastructure group. Uh-huh. Actually, in the industry, we were a famous software infrastructure group. We did incredible things with shipping Facebook uh, to your phones and to the website and, and all that. Not just Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram, all the properties. So that clout certainly helped. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to really push on me because I was certainly capable of pushing back. So that was pretty much um, not a huge, huge issue. Okay. And then, so you were one of the contributors to, I guess, Meta's firearm policy. What was that like? And how has it changed over the years? Because it does seem like, obviously, not just Facebook, but all social media has really kind of cracked down on even just like pictures of guns, like anything that's slightly frightening, you know, it's banned. Yeah, that's been an issue. And I will, again, people are not going to believe this, but again, you don't, shouldn't believe everything you read in the mass media, but Facebook's policy on firearms is actually somewhat reasonable. Uh, the meta policy as it stands now, it was more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened in 2016 was that a very ham handed, uh, action happened from one of the policy groups in Facebook that said, okay, no more gun pages on Facebook. 
like businesses or gun groups um, mm-hmm. cannot be there. And they took down around 6,000. I thought it was just it was probably a combination of groups and pages, six, seven, eight, maybe 12,000 of those entities were removed just suddenly. So I made a huge stink, but in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. I said like, okay, I'm a director of the company. Uh, one of the directors here, here's why what we did was wrong, why it was wrong for the users, why, you know, there's a way to do this. If you're going to do it, you roll it out, you give it, you give notice, you roll it out, you give people a chance to comply, blah, blah, blah. We just cut the rug right from underneath them and just nuked mm-hmm. all these people's stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, all the reasons of why that's not a reasonable thing to do, just because we're a platform that everyone gets to use with all their interests. And all, it was all this, in those days, it's all this like authentic self stuff, right? So it's like, well, I'm about that. If Facebook is trying to capture, if meta products are trying to capture my self, you know, what I do and have me share on these platforms, this is what I'm all about. One part of it, at least. Right. So that argument was well received. Mark, you know, liked the argument as well. And, you know, again, thanks to Zuck, he said, well, you know, go and go and do something about it. So I took, you know, the last two years I was there, uh, 2016, 17, 18, and helped the policy teams and the community operations teams basically get some subject matter expertise to make some policies that kind of protected the, you know, the cover your ass type thing for the company, mm-hmm. but yet still was reasonable and let, let uh, businesses and, and personal people do things. So the policy as it stands right now on Meta platforms is that as a personal person, a personal account, you cannot buy, sell, trade guns, ammo, or gun parts. Mm-hmm. As a business you can absolutely buy, sell, and trade guns, gun parts, and ammunition. As a business brick and mortar or online retailer, you can put up links for your stuff for sale. You can make a post about the new Smith & Wesson, you know, Super 30, whatever you want up there. And that's okay. That's the policy. And I can give you the link uh, you can put in there. It's a very clear three, four sentence paragraph on Meta's policies of what you can do for content. Okay. So that is what it says in paper. In practice, mm-hmm. they're doing a terrible, terrible job of doing this, enforcing it correctly. And that's a different topic. And there's lots of reasons of why, but I want to say that, you know, is the meta policy as it stands. YouTube's is a little bit more convoluted. They've updated it and made it more fine grained. Uh, TikTok is completely not interested in gun stuff. Yeah. They, flat out say like if you post on stuff we can we can take you down yeah interesting i'm going to take a quick break real quick talk about primary arms they have some really awesome options right now the lpvo scopes with the glx one to six by 24 front focal plane scopes the glx is their like rugged mid-tier line and the fffp reticles are great because the holds remain the same regardless of your magnification you can get them with the acss raptor or griffin reticles and they have premium glass in it uh, for higher clarity They also have a full 200 MOA of elevation and windage adjustment so that you can dial out for extreme distance shooting if you want. Check these out. Bunch of other great stuff at primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY, that's all one word, for a free cleaning kit with every primary arms optic that you buy. Good stuff. 
Why do you think that there is this issue now? I mean, clearly, you know, it's written that if you're a gun store, and, and this is something that I just recently reached out to you because I was like, well, one of the accounts for DCF Guns, which I just became partners of, their account got taken down, which is BS because obviously we're a brick and mortar gun store and we don't even put prices. It's just like, hey, come on in, check out what we have, whatever. And our account got taken down. So why do you think that there is that disconnect? So the overriding reason why it's so enforced so poorly or the quality is so bad is because we are so insignificant. Like the little gun owner world, it's U.S. centric. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world really doesn't even have the option for this kind of freedom uh, to own firearms. And it's a tiny little sliver. We just wrote about this in the last OSD or maybe uh, either this newsletter or the previous OSD, the Open Source Defense Newsletter. Like somebody on the on the house floor made this big deal like, oh, gun companies made, you know, I think it was like $2 billion over 10 years or some ridiculous or $7 billion over 10 years. And it's like, you're a fool. I mean, Google makes $7 billion in a day, you know? Yeah. It's the revenue is just minuscule. We are a tiny little industry that... The platforms could not care if we are there or not. It makes no difference to their bottom line, to their growth numbers, to their, you know, hours spent, all that stuff. So fundamentally, that's your starting point. You have no leverage, right? You're kind of an annoyance that we put up with. But if you were, if we were just to take your stuff off the platforms, you know, there's no, there's not going to be an outcry. I mean, there might be some sort of it's not so much the outcry. It's just that the the material effect or, or monetary effect of us doing that would not be, is not worth our, you know, you're in the noise. Mm-hmm. So because of that kind of indifference, you're not going to see a lot of effort or money spent trying to improve the process. And that's the cold, hard reality of it. They'll never probably say that directly, but just being in meta or just knowing these platforms long enough, there's a million fringe thing or what's considered fringe things out there that you can't do on the platforms. And, you know, in their defense, many of the platforms are dealing with real world, large scale issues mm-hmm. of like flat out human trafficking, terrorism, like selling actual like real arms, yeah. like RPGs and crates of, of you know, full auto AK, AK platform rifles. Do you to... have do you have links for that? Just wondering, just asking for a friend. <laughs> I did have links for that because back when I worked there, I, I had You're like, well, to, I'm going to gonna hit these people up later when I'm not it on the clock. Little, yeah, it's a little scary and I don't think I'd be hitting these folks up because uh, they didn't look too like, like this is legit no good. Yeah, know? yeah. And I've seen my share just working there. I've seen my share of, of just horrific parts of humanity of, of just beheadings and terrorism and, and mm-hmm. all stuff that was live streamed or yeah. bought on Facebook. I mean, the worst was probably with this. I was unfortunate enough to see videos of, of suicide murder type things um, with even with infants involved. And it, it's just, it's horrific. Right. I, yeah. So they do have to, they have a constant onslaught of this stuff and that's generally where the effort goes. That's where kind of the real effort goes. And so the fact that your, your picture of you shooting a gun, six months ago gets taken down that one piece of content it doesn't really like yeah yeah sorry about that is about all you're going to get um so there's that indifference there is certainly ignorance because there's not since i've left there's not i don't think there's a single sme subject matter expert left at the company none of these companies none of the platforms have smes that can address this vertical of firearms right well um so that 
that ignorance is just going to be a constant tax that they get things wrong. And ultimately, there is intent. There is a fair amount of intent, and 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 you can't deny it. And especially in these last few years, the the finger on the scale that these companies, these platforms do to what can be talked about is very clear to all of us. And the firearms part is not on the part of the scale where they're going to give it a tip up. They're going to give it the finger, you know, the finger is going to be leaning down on the scale for, for firearm stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the strong example is, was the former head of Facebook's sales and marketing, as it were, was founded a, an anti-gun company and was out there actively this is the person responsible for making brands successful at on facebook on the platforms and actively running an anti-gun company right uh, that that survives to this day and that kind of intent you know it's is very there in black and white and mm-hmm. they're they're basically she's helping to run or helping they're involved in like um running you know ad week in new york city it's a big advertising where all the big advertisers you know do their conference like shot show for advertisers they're actively advertising how are we going to squelch gun content and gun companies, right? Mm-hmm. So these are the things that are against us. And that intent goes on the Facebook side. It's not so much on Zuck's side. I would say it's more on the Sheryl Sandberg side, uh, whose sister's, you know, very involved in anti-gun groups. And that's, I believe they're used to sit on the board, or if not currently, hmm. of uh, various Bloomberg anti-gun groups. Mm-hmm. So there's that deck is stacked against us 100%. So that's a, that's a challenge. And it's the same at all the platforms, pretty much. Interesting. You have kind of made a name for yourself in the gun industry. You're kind of the person to go to if, you know, their account gets taken down. What kinds of stuff is it that trip people up um, most in the farms industry, like that their account would get taken down? Sure. And what are like, what are some, what's some advice that you could give to us so that we're not like, you know, flagging our accounts haven't been flagged and we can kind of avoid running into this. I mean, the good news is that the majority of people are doing the right thing according to the policy. Mm -hmm. I think people go into these platforms very like on eggshells to start with. So they're already being very conservative on what they post and how they post it. They're trying to avoid certain words They're trying to avoid prices and dollar signs and they're even though they're in the right by the most of the policies on these various platforms they're still my experience has been that everybody is really trying to to not bring attention to themselves so that's you know that's certainly been the case the really frustrating part about this is that so much of it is out of your hands you will be following the rules and you've had firsthand experience with this and you'll still get taken down and i i don't and the advice i can give you is is hard to say because you, you are already doing things correctly according mm-hmm. to the policy. Yeah. Right. So the best advice is to know you're in the right to look up the policy and it's very simple and have the link to it and to always be escalating. Like they don't always give you a path to escalation. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't like click here if you disagree mm-hmm. or yeah. if you Google it or go to the help center or you contact me. You need to escalate. If you know anyone who works at Meta or YouTube or any of these platforms, you need to leverage them. Okay, you need to put the heat on the people who work there, uh, if you have any connection to them, and be do polite and very be very clear. Like I want to, every person I've ever talked to about being taken down, they're like, I want to follow the rules. I'm not here to try to game the system or do something stupid. I'm just trying to be here. Yeah. On these monopoly platforms that basically own communication and have a presence, 
I will do what you want. And I've done what you want. Just tell me, right. That's always been the attitude of everyone I've, I've helped mm-hmm. and contact and, and, and met with. So get that point across to the people, you know, at these companies. And ultimately we need to make this a consumer protection problem, a business protection problem, not like a free speech or any of that. It needs to be these, these consumer products are causing harm to me personally, financially, and you can make a million different reasons why you've been harmed by the action of having your account deleted or being banned from the platform. Um, and I've made this point before, but if you put it in terms of like, you know, the best example is like, okay, AT&T back in the Monopoly days saying, you can no longer have a phone number for your business or for you even personally, right? You will never get a phone number from AT&T, period, done. This is like when you get your Instagram banned or your Facebook banned. Mm-hmm. Or the U.S. mail saying, like, you're never going to get a piece of mail as a business. Mm -hmm. We'll never deliver to your house, right? These are the kind of, this is how dramatic it is to lose full access to social media, especially Mm -hmm. as a business, Yeah. right? So that's how we have to frame it. And that's, you know, that's, that attitude is the best thing I can tell you as you're, to um, have in your mind as you, as you make these posts as best practice Specifically, I will say anything super aggressive, like pointing the gun at the camera, not always great. For God's sake, stay away from sweepstakes and giveaways. Don't, you know, this content, content is certainly a way to get traction, you know, in a hurry. Everybody, everybody likes free stuff. But the rules for sweepstakes and giveaways on the platforms are already convoluted mm-hmm. just for regular stuff. If you want to give away a pen, it's going to be a pain in the neck. It's just a reason. If you're doing a sweepstakes or, you know, you are a gun company or you're giving away a gun, you've just complicated things tremendously. So I would very much avoid sweepstakes and giveaways. And I would, and just on a kind of tangent, which is another problem people have across the board, not just gun stuff, account takeovers, people lose access to their accounts. This is the hardest thing. I can do virtually nothing if that happens to you you have to set up that two-factor authentication on every social account you have. All your employees, anyone who has access to your stuff, if you lose access, you're going to have a hard time. If you lose access because of gun content, because they say, oh, you were selling firearms or regulated goods, we have a good chance of of getting that back. Mm -hmm. If you get lose access to your account, there's not a lot I can do. Well, plus, uh, I mean, I know a few people that that's happened. Um, One of my patrons, his account just recently got taken over by somebody who's just trying to, you know, now use his account to get information out of his friends. And he said, it's been like super hard to even give it, to get it back. And he just gave up and created a new account. Yeah. It's a nightmare. This goes again to the consumer protection part of this whole equation here, right? Is that you should have relief and a way to get this back. It's not hard. I mean, it's got some tricky parts to it, but it's a technically solvable problem. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. Do you have any experience with their Mantis X products? I love Mantis. Yes. I, I have the the Mantis X. Um, as a tech guy, I want more of this. Like right? This stuff is freaking great. And the more stuff they make like this, the better it is. I'm a big fan of Mantis than the, and the folks doing that work. Yeah. They've done some really good stuff. And I've tried like quite a few products that were similar. And I think Mantis is by far like the best. They've really worked out a lot of the kinks. The X is an awesome product. It attaches to the rail of your firearm, and then you can use a combination of like sensors to measure exact parameters about how the gun moves when you squeeze the trigger. 
It gives you info on the movement of your muzzle as you're. Yeah, it's really precise. It's uh, it gives you basically the color codes. You trying to find the target, you settling on the target, mm-hmm. the exact moment of, of trigger break, and the follow through. Like yeah. All very clearly plotted out. The accelerometer, the tech in there is the resolution is really nice, and it works in real time. You can actually see it, like as you settle, you see that stuff happen. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. They have quite a few different versions of the X. So the X2 version is for dry fire only works on a handgun or a rifle for only $99. Uh, You can get the X3 for 169 or my favorite, the X10. And I like that one because you could actually bring it to the range and live fire with it. You could draw from your holster. So there's just a lot more advantages using the X10, but I think any sort of dry firing is great, especially when you're using Mantis products. Yeah, I do that with them. So I still take a ton of new people to the range and I put the Mantis on and I can show them in live fire, you know, I do them do a string of five shots. I can actually show them like, hey, this is what you did. Yeah. And they just love it. Blows their mind. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I should do that with my students. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to MantisX.com. All right. So Chuck, let's talk about open source defense, which um, as you were talking, I signed up for your newsletter and just browsing through your website, you're right. It is actually really refreshing. It's not like you're reading, I mean, no offense to people who support the NRA, but it's overly politicalized or they use, you know, like fear, I guess, to sort of drive somebody. I actually, I really like your website. And then you also have the take a newbie shooting and sort of advice for that all kinds of stuff. Let's just talk about that for a second. So how did that start? So it started with um, Kareem, who wrote, I think in 2017, he wrote a like a medium poster, a sub stack on like the path forward on guns. And uh, Kareem was an East Coast. Uh, he worked in, um, he was in New York City at the time working for a, a tech place. And a pretty reasonable guy of Lebanese American descent and wrote something well thought out and very, it really resonated with, you know, the, again, the the coastal crowds and everybody who was kind of more in the middle about things and not so far to the right or far to the left. Right. And still, there's still some of us who kind of Mm -hmm. live life uh, more objectively in the middle, I guess. And it appealed to many people and he got together. I forget how exactly knows him with with another guy. And that kind of nucleus started to attract other people. And by the end, there was about seven of us who got together in 2018 and started this open source defense off that kind of kernel of, a, of an idea of having this reasonable reasonable approach. Mm-hmm. And again, the 100% gun rights, 0% culture war was sorely needed and, and is even more so now. So we were all frustrated by the messaging that we get from a lot of the, the, the pro-gun organizations because it, it's, it's a bit fuddy, right? It's like it, there's a lot of FUD lore in there and then a very mm-hmm. particular mindset. And you can kind of envision the people making this argument and they're not you. And they don't appeal to younger people and they don't appeal to the millennials or the, the, the Gen Z's or the, the coastals or the, what have you, the blue States. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to take an approach that, that didn't alienate those people, but still made our points, which are very staunchly, you know, two way. Like I want to buy machine guns through the mail period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we all kind of have that attitude, but we want to, you know, we understand we need to get there by, by steps and 
what we saw, what we were terrified of is that we see, we know for a fact in history, if you're an unpopular minority, things don't work out well for you, right? You never want to be an unpopular minority. And we saw the gun rights thing is, you know, because of the relentless media attack as becoming an, an unpopular minority. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to help broaden that base. We're not going to win with less than 50%, you know, mind share, right? So that was the, the impetus for doing these thought pieces and, and getting our message out there and, and framing the conversations and current events in a pro-gun way that is going to be attractive. You can share our stuff with anybody, your crazy aunt on the left or on the right, what have you. It's all very accessible to them. I like it. I'm looking at your website right now and I just clicked on your web store and I was kind of taken back because they're actually, it's really beautiful artwork. (laughs) We have an amazing designers. We have one photographer and one graphic designer who, again, we all have day jobs we love and are good at. And this is our, our, uh, our passion. We're all pretty much volunteers. We're not doing this for, you know, we haven't raised money. We basically go off of, uh, you know, coffee handouts. Our objective is we'll probably never ask you for money or that's not what our newsletter is about, but these guys put their efforts and their, their abilities and their creativity in this stuff. Our, our design is fantastic. Look at our Instagram, which is mainly used just to publicize the fact that our new newsletter is out every week mm-hmm. and look at our style, our whole way of uh, presenting things. It's fantastic. Yeah. So if you guys, just to give you an idea, so there's like an FAL with uh, some poppies in the background, but it's not like, it, it's not like your grandma's shirt, you know, with flowers right. on it. <laughs> this was our, we were doing the um, nations and their flowers. Basically, you know, every nation has a flower. It's like, well, every nation has a gun. And mm-hmm. a rifle. So we were doing nations and their rifles. So it was the, <laughs> I like it. The rose, the rose is the United States uh, official flower and the M16 goes with that. Nice. And you can see the other countries as well are in there. So Germany, Korea. Yeah. Others. Yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. All right. So what are your future plans? Anything that you can share with us? Sure. So, you know, again, we need to expand our reach. So we're pretty small but mighty. I mean, our Twitter following is, is solid. Our newsletter subscriptions, our open rates are incredible for people who get the newsletter. And more importantly, the, the people who sign up for our, our newsletter, um, I'm impressed by who we have on our list, if you were. Mm-hmm. And that's an impressive list of people that we're getting to. We want you to share that, expand it, um, get us more traction. Ultimately, we're still, you know, more behind the scenes than in front. To do something more in front uh, would probably require us to, you know, obviously, we'd have, a few of us would have to break off and go full time. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that kind of expansion is what we're going for. But uh, right now, we just want you to ingest our content. Give us feedback on what resonates and what doesn't. Anything that we get wrong or, or positions that are not clear or better ways to present our, our arguments, that would be really helpful. Nice. And then how can people sign up for your newsletter? Yeah, obviously, that would be key. Again, the newsletter is once a week. It's lightweight, not a big deal, but it's it's got great stuff in it. And all you have to do is just go to opensourcedefense.org. There's obviously a link um, in the show notes as well. And then also your social media handles. What are those? It's uh, both on Instagram and Twitter is OpenSRCDefense. And Twitter is where we're most active and could use your help. Um, Instagram, like I said, is mostly for our pretty stuff and to announce when the newsletter goes out. And you can you can look at the Substack. Um, there's a link from the main page. You can see the newsletter history and read the, the last three newsletters were were awesome. Got a lot of good feedback from those because they were very current events. 
just read those. They're quick, but they're really well thought out. Okay. Awesome. All right. Moving on with the rest of the show called well. If you're looking for more affordable targets, you should definitely check out some of their steel. I mean, they offer, so one, it's Air 500 steel, comes in a bunch of different shapes and sizes. Their five-inch plates are as low as $19.99. Eight-inch ones are $37.99. And then their IPSC are all the way up to $209.99. So pretty affordable for you know some really good steel that, trust me, I have it on my range and it's definitely taken a beating. And all I do is just cover it up with some spray paint and like, you really wouldn't know that I've been shooting at it, you know, for the past, what has it been a year and a half now? And it stays outside all year long. I don't put it back in like a shed when I'm done using it. So it's definitely taken a beating. If you guys want to check out their stuff, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code gunfunny10 and that's going to give you 10% off your entire order. Politics. What is going on? Today, it's political AF. Today in politics, so I'm sure you're aware of the assault weapons ban passing uh, the House this last week. Democrats were rushing to push their assault weapon bill through the House. At one point, they said the vote was postponed because they didn't have the votes. And then late Thursday, they decided to pull a sneaky rule change at the last minute and force the votes through on Friday. At that, it narrowly passed the House uh, 217 to 213 along largely party lines. So two rhinos, Chris Jacobs of New York and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, betrayed their constituents in voting for the bill. Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, he didn't even have the courage to vote for or against the bill. Five Democrats, all up for re-election in conservative states, voted against the bill. Henry Cuyular. Vincent Gonzalez of Texas, Kirk Schrader of Oregon, Jared Golden of Maine, and Ron Kind of Wisconsin. The bill now heads to the Senate, where Dianne Feinstein's similar bill already had 37 co-sponsors. Most people are saying it's dead on arrival in the Senate, which hopefully is true. But just weeks ago, 10 Republicans sold out our rights in voting for gun control already. So there's really no guarantee. So what I would say is everyone definitely needs to contact their senators if they haven't already, or if nothing else, even daily, calling, emailing them, you know, anything that you could do to get the word out so that they're bombarded with people telling them that our rights are not negotiable. Basically, the bill, if this is passed, it seeks to ban a minimum, it's estimated, of 24 million firearms, which is far beyond common use in any of the word that, you know, they know it. And I think, if anything, this supersedes, you know, the 1994 assault weapons ban, which, as we know, wasn't really effective to begin with either. Yeah, it's really strange that they uh, they pushed on this so hard before elections. I, I, it's just an, it seems like another misstep. Um, I know. And what we saw from at least on the OSD side and the personal my personal experience side is certainly during the pandemic and during all the civil unrest of, of 2020 and beyond. You know, what we see like NSSF estimates like 7 million new gun owners. Mm -hmm. We saw a sea change in the people who were suddenly contacting us and contacting me personally, like, hey, I need to, I want to get a gun. I want to go down this path. So I don't 
you know, it seems like it's the worst time ever to peaches <laughs> to put in front of people like, okay, we're going to undo all that stuff that you finally found an interest in. Right. Yeah. Sorry. My dog is growling because somebody is actually, I told you this before the show, but I'll tell listeners, but somebody's working on my house <laughs> and their head is popping up through the window. Hey, peaches. Sounds like you're well protected there. Right? <laughs> Yeah, all four pounds of four, four pounds of peaches. Yeah, <laughs> peaches. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing right now because like so she doesn't have a lot of hair, but she has just like a little trail of hair down her back. Otherwise, I called her peaches because like it stands for peach fuzz, <laughs> but it's sticking straight up and it's just hilarious. But sorry, I didn't mean to, or I didn't cut you off. I didn't mean for peaches to cut you off. <laughs> That's fine. No, we were just kind of debating, you know, why the the polling groups or why the yeah the, uh, the party leaders are not getting the signal. I know that you know people really found a rediscovered a new love for for self sufficiency, and the very real thing of like, hey, I went to the grocery store and there was nothing there, mm-hmm. right? Or like, hey, my city's they literally burned the police department, down. right? You know, they burned the police building down. Yeah, and there's little literally riots in the streets. What what am I giving up for? What what I know, and that that signal is just I don't know who runs. You know, obviously, it's a complicated thing. But I think what we're after is is a is the party platform to change on firearms. And it you know if you're if you're particularly blue, it had you know the plank used to be that you know there were the blue dog Democrats or what have you. There was more room for for firearms rights, gun rights uh, on the blue side, mm-hmm. and uh, that's been completely abandoned. And it, it will probably uh, come to bite him in the ass at some point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Franklin Armory. Do you have any experience with binary triggers? Again, in California, those are exclusively forgotten, but yeah. I have dealt with the, I've talked to the guys at Franklin a number of times. Franklin Armory, God bless them. This is, I, I really want to make this point. I hope this doesn't go too far off your, your track here. No, no, no. But Franklin Army has been amazing in developing specific guns to deal with the, the bullshit in California. Yeah. And, you know, God bless them for, for doing it and working and, and exploiting every possible legal way to do things. But yeah, their stuff has has been great, and I can I would hope other you know companies learn from the fact there are forty million people in the state. Okay, mm-hmm. you can take you know sixty percent of the other states and add them up and and get to a, a lower number. So you're missing a huge market if you just write off California, yeah, uh, completely. So figure out what's going on here, and and like Franklin Arms did, figure out what you can do and do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great stuff. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no. I completely agree. I think, well, Franklin Army, they actually originated in California. So I think that's also why they have such strong roots there and they continue to fight. And I couldn't agree more because actually majority of my listeners are based in California. And maybe it's because they are living vicariously through me. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a large population in California where they're not just all anti-gun. And it's mostly just like those bigger cities that are kind of paving the way for the laws, which, yeah, but you know, people don't agree with. The, the bigger cities, even when we did our open source defense office hours, and we have this to this day, if you want a, f- a free gun buddy, if you're not a gun person and you want a gun buddy because your circle's 
aren't going to be receptive to that. Uh You can have a free Zoom session with OSD. And yeah, the majority of people we talked to were San Francisco, Los Angeles, urban centers Hmm. who had wanted to discover this. Um, So interesting. You know, I, when I went to San Francisco, I was telling the Uber driver what I did for a living. And he was like, Oh, okay. I mean, that's cool. He's like, but man, don't tell anybody around here, man. Like, I mean, you seem like a nice girl. I don't want anything to happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) It made me laugh. Like, okay, cool. We'll have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. Yeah. But anyway, so Franklin Armory, they actually, so you said like one of your first guns was the Ruger 1022. They have a binary trigger for that, which I need to get. I need it. Well, for one, I need to get a Ruger 1022. I'm probably the only person in the gun industry that doesn't Jeez, have a Ruger. That's, that's, yeah, okay. That's, that's say mandatory. it, say yeah. it louder for the ones in the back. Oh <laughs> I know. And the first thing that I'm, I mean, I'm only getting this gun really because I want to put the binary trigger on it. Yeah. But they have binary triggers for everything. I mean, ARs, AKs, a few of the HKs, or you could even just buy the gun with the trigger already assembled in it in case you're kind of worried like, well, how do I put in, you know, Franklin Armory trigger, which some of them do need some fitment and some of them are easier than others. Like I'd say that I've heard the AR triggers much easier to put in than like the 1022. But with that said, I would say the work that you put into it is definitely going to pay off. And you don't always have to shoot in binary mode. You always have the option of shooting in semi-auto or you can put it on safe or you can shoot it in binary. So it's like best of all worlds. Yeah, the 1022 is the most natural thing you could do because the 22 ammo is going to be cheap and plentiful. So you can just go go to town and have a good old time. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to check those out, head on over to franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA. That's A-V-A. You're going to get 10% off your entire order. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is somebody asked me, did you see the video of the ATF agent scanning an FFL's records? Did you see that video? It kind of went sort of viral for a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely saw it. Yeah. So basically it was a female ATF agent, which it doesn't really matter, but what she was doing was completely illegal. So federal law explicitly forbids any kind of searchable registry of firearm records But this video shows the agent blatantly ignoring that. And then she's scanning the FFL's entire book with an app on her personal phone. She claimed copying the records with her personal phone was part of the purview of her investigation, which is illegal and a complete lie. The FFL she was auditing had only a few minor clerical errors in their books, yet she, of course, recommended revoking their FFL, which I told you is going on right now. So any FFLs, I mean, they're trying to come at us from like all angles and any FFLs, if there's any sort of errors, they really have like a no tolerance for it. And this year they've revoked more FFLs than they have in previous history. Yeah, it's going to come from the administration giving guidance on that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, I worked part of my resume is I spent uh, a few months working for basically the Obama administration with this thing called USDS, United States Digital Service, and this was the the team that resurrected healthcare.gov when they remember when they bought it up and it completely fell over and died. Yeah. yeah. So they basically got on the phone like, we need nerds. And (laughs) so they called all their buddies in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And a bunch of Amazon, Google, Facebook employees basically took what was supposed to be like a one month leave of absence and went and fixed healthcare.gov. 100% would not have worked unless unless those, those tech people stopped what they were doing and went and fixed it. And 
I went and after that was done, they kind of created a, a government entity called the United States Digital Service and a couple others that were like, hey, that was a great idea. Let's do that for more stuff. Um, and it, it actually is a good idea to get people to know actually technology, how it works mm-hmm. into government, because we're not going to go there ourselves. Believe me, you know, the the money we'll make and what we can do on the outside is and versus what's going to happen inside government. There's no comparison. Anyone good is going to go and, and work in industry. So that's to sucker those people in via some channel where you could do it kind of temporarily is, is a good idea. And I did it. So I worked, uh, among other things, for the FBI in West Virginia at a, at a, at a complex called the CGIS, C-J-I-S. And that's the people in charge of the Uniform Crime Report and in charge of NICS. And NICS, we all know, is the National Instant Check System, which we all go through. The, that's, the, that's, the, that's the gun by mm-hmm. the gun check system we all use. When we buy new guns, at least, and transfer personal and a number of states. So I saw very firsthand how DOJ, FBI employees know the rules, follow the rules, and want to do correct things. And I was impressed, and at least at that level, like what we saw in that video from ATF, which was kind of a sister work to this, mm-hmm. would never fly. I mean, these folks knew what was allowed and what not and how to work correctly with the laws that were in place respecting the law. So I'm really shocked that the professionalism, at least I, what I understood to date on some of these organizations, was compromised like that where they just disregarded the whole thing. I know. Broke that professionalism completely. Yeah. And you're absolutely right as far as even, I mean, it's it's obviously like the higher ups and stuff, even that, you know, that are enforcing a lot of the ATF stuff that we think is just ridiculous. And I mean, pretty much blatantly like illegal because I've made quite a few friends that have been ATF agents. A lot of them have gone out of it now because it's just, you know, I mean, same with law enforcement. It's just, it used to be like a pretty good career. And now you're just like, eh, yeah, it's, it's not really, I mean, it's not even like, yeah. it's not very safe for what, you know, what the organizations are asking you to do. It's definitely putting your safety at risk. And then yeah. a lot of them just don't agree with it. And so they're getting out. But, you know, most of these people are pretty good guys, you know, male and female. But yeah, yeah I don't know. It's well, so weird. experience and, too, but, but it's definitely, I definitely saw firsthand how the executive office, which I was attached to the executive office of the president, how the executive office can influence what gets done and what happens internally. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the thing that got us, because we were a bunch of outsiders effectively, but the, the magic card that got us into all sorts of federal agencies and, and make them listen to us is like, well, the president wants this. Like, as soon as I said that, like, I'm here at, at indirectly, I mean, I never I saw Obama, but he wasn't telling us. I mean, indirectly through, because we were part of the executive office of the president, mm-hmm. that was like the gold card to say, okay, this is why we're going to do this hmm. um, and why you're going to listen. So whatever signal they're getting from the Biden administration is reflected in their behavior of how they act um, on the ground. Interesting. This is off topic, but I just recently, so I had a meeting with my company, DCF, and we were talking about how, I guess, ATF just recently put out, I don't know, it was, I don't, I don't know where the GM got this information, but apparently now ATF wants FFLs to report all personal information of somebody who got denied Hmm. and which I mean is kind of weird because they, yeah, 
they have it, but we have to Nick's they, they should have that record. already. But we have to do some sort of documentation. And we were saying, you know, I mean, some of the managers, they were saying, you know, obviously it's that we should let the customers know beforehand, like, Hey, you know, before you guys do a background check, just so you know, you know, whatever. But, and this is the first time that I've heard of it. So I have to look more into it, but it was kind of interesting and it's weird to me just some of the things that are going on within I, this organization. I mean, even them changing, you know, the definition of braces right. and and bump stocks and all these, you know, it's yeah, just it's under under pressure to really test the boundaries of what they're allowed to get away with. Yeah. They're basic there's probably some kids in a back room thinking like, you know, I got kind of again saw this firsthand thinking like, given the constraints, what can we do at the executive level to get our agenda, you know, our mm-hmm. belief system in place here? Um, so you're going to see them testing and probing what the limits of their legally allowed executive privilege going to let them do until we push back and, and start suing them and, and going after them and noticing this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, IWI. Do you have any experience with IWI's products? <laughs> I almost did because they made a really cool, uh, I think Dave Hartman from the Three Gun yeah. uh, channel did something with IWI and they had a really cool rifle. And I was all set to get one. Even in California, I could have had it. But it's actually one of the, the rifle they did it on is actually explicitly named in the assault weapon band uh. by name. So if they just changed the stupid name, I would have had it. But I oh, love their stuff. Man. It's really cool. But hopefully they'll make a, a new version with like version two or with a different name on it. Right that's why it didn't go through is because of the name of the rifle. Yeah. It's basically the Galil is explicitly on the list. Ah, that's horrible. So yeah, the Galil is like one of my favorite. Oh, it's awesome. Like, I, I, I've shot them and I'm like, okay, this is a really nice combination of all sorts of little yeah. features and cool things on from different platforms all in one spot. Let's go with it. Oh man. I'm like bummed out for you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Cause man, that really sucks. Like yeah, because I, yeah, I have one and I just love it. And I, you know, did some upgrades with some like, you know, JMAC custom parts and all kinds of stuff. I put no, it's like a great platform. Cool. Yeah, platform. I know. It's great. So if you guys are looking for it's kind of like an AK, but a little more refined, I definitely check out the Galil. It's available in 762 by 39, which is what I have, but also available in 545 by 39 and 556. And both available in pistol and rifle versions, but they're so cool. In fact, when I go to Sturgis next week, IWI is going to be there. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of my friends from there. Hopefully I'll have them on my podcast. That's next week's episode. Next week's episode will be of me recording live at Sturgis. Hopefully I'll be sober and clothed. Who knows? (laughs) You know, (laughs) when in Rome, right? (laughs) Thank God it's radio. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No kidding. But anyways, if you guys want to check out the Glio that we were just talking about, head on over to IWI. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order with any of the accessories in the web store. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, Maxim Defense, they unveiled a MD9. 
They have now entered the PCC market with their all-new MD9. Basically, it looks just like their popular PDW guns in 5.56, except the lower now takes Glock mags, which I guess I wasn't really paying attention because I always thought that it was available in 5.56 and 9. So I, I was thinking this whole time that they did have a PCC, but I guess not. So like other guns, everything's built with quality and high-end. I mean, that's what they say, but I personally have not actually shot any of the Maxim products, but they have a modified Maxim Defense hate break on the 5.8 inch barrel, which is of course half by 28. So if you want to suppress it, you can. It's outfitted with the ALG combat trigger, which I love those triggers, radiant charging handle and ambi safety selector. Maxim's a CQB stock, which obviously makes this version an SBR, but hopefully they're going to come out with a brace version so that you don't have to file that tax stamp. The barrel is fully free floated and has an M-Lock handguard. And then, like I said, it takes Glock mags, anything uh, Glock 19 and larger. And unlike a lot of Glock compatible ARs, it has a last round bolt hold open. The only thing is, is MSRP is $1,995. So it's like right up there with like some of the HK and B&T products, you know, like the price tag. So I don't know. Sounds great. I mean, I'm a big, big PCC fan. I think I have about four or five myself. Definitely check this one out. I really see PCCs as fantastic for new shooters as well. It has, uh, yeah. And actually for a home, like a home defense gun. I mean, you know this, you instruct people. Mm-hmm. Shooting pistols is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it just takes, I can get people, when we do range days and take people out, I always have some PCCs kind of towards the end of the day for the kind of the fun part. Yeah. And you can pretty much give just the basic mechanics and people are ringing steel and, and driving double taps and going, you know, good shooting with PCCs in no time. Yeah. Uh, they're just fantastic. So I'm, I'm really glad they became a thing. And if nothing else, it's a nice platform to use to get you acquainted with like the AR platform, I guess. Exactly. But with a, you know, smaller caliber. Yeah. I mean, I have so many PCCs. I don't even know how many I have. <laughs> no, I love to see new ones. I'll definitely check this out. And the MSRP is, is you know, for good quality one, it's it's right in there. So yeah, you can look at the features and I mean, they're, they're throwing radiant stuff and ALGs in there. It's like, okay, at least I'm getting getting good stuff. I'd have to go buy for quite a few hundred dollars. That's you know, true. Each. Yeah. Um, I always liked I always their, anyway. their CQB stocks. Nice. I always thought that they just looked really nice and kind of futuristic. I don't know. I always liked the way it looked. Sure. Again, we'll have the California conversation because all my yeah. rifles need to be 30 inches <laughs> overall length, even though the federal limit is nowhere near that. But uh, uh, Well, yeah. when you go to SHOT Show, I'm sure you're probably like, okay, guys, as much as I'd love to catch up with my friends, I have to check out all the guns. <laughs> exactly. Whereas yeah. like, we're just like, oh yeah, it's all about friends. And like, you're like, uh, it's yeah. all about the stuff I can't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So Manicore Arms. If you've got the BRN-180 or another rifle with a Picatinny rail stock attachment, definitely check out the trapdoor stock from Manicore Arms. It's styled like the original AR-180, and you can set it up to full to either side. One of the really cool things about it is its butt plate is a trapdoor, so you can store you know, a cleaning kit or something else in it. The stock's made from a rugged polymer and a steel hinge, and the whole thing weighs only 18 ounces. I have one on my HK MP522, and it actually looks pretty good. Cost is $179, but if you use the code AVARROCKS15, all one word, you're going to get 15% off, and that is at manicorearms.com. 
Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment is kind of weird. So I was trying to read it before the show started and I was like, what? Okay, so an army veteran in the UK was arrested a week ago for sharing a meme on social media. His name's Darren Brady. He's from Aldershot and he was arrested last Sunday by Hampshire police for a meme he started the previous week. The meme in question was of four LGBT pride flags arranged to appear like a swastika, which was his expression of how he believes Pride Month is expressed with authoritarianism. Regardless of the content of the meme, so in a way, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't, I mean... Yeah, it's silly, but, you know, it's... Yeah. yeah. Whatever, you look at it, you go on. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's a swastika, you know, but still... I guess, I don't know, whatever. But regardless of the content of the meme, so the most troubling thing about the situation is how the police handled it and their lack of regard for free speech as well as actual law, which I wouldn't say this is necessarily free speech. It could be a type of hate speech, which... Oh, that's the, that's yeah, the intersection of those two things is kind of the problem, right? It is, yeah. Um, that's a pretty well undefined, you know, hate speech is a pretty well undefined thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, just kind of wrap this back towards where, it, you know, so we shared it on social media. The fact that you, what we're proposing here, you know, as, as you go through this is you're going to someone's going to make the proposal that social media has to police this stuff. Right. These are the people we need to go after. The yeah. ones who say that. Right. <laughs> okay? Because the social media companies do not want to police this stuff. They don't want to have a freaking image checker that checks a flag, yeah. you know, LGBT flags are in the shape of a swastika or anything else. Right? Yeah. They don't want to deal with it. They got problems of their own. So this is. The scary part about this is it's going to come back, I guarantee you, towards like, well, social media needs to, quote unquote, do something about this. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're not wrong. And and I've definitely have considered that with social media. Like, would I want to own a social media company and how would I, you know, how would I handle that so that the wrong things weren't getting put out there? Because you obviously don't want to aid in some sort of crime or something yeah, bad happening. clearly well in the in the you know, in the gray zone, not yeah, yeah. towards, not even yeah. towards the red zone, you know, yeah. it's just like some doofy thing, you know, no, uh, it doesn't warrant the amount of attention that's getting. No, right? it hasn't. So, okay. Basically they acted as a judge, jury and executioner and essentially tried to extort the man into paying 80 pounds to take a quote, re-education course to get his crime reduced to a non-crime, which would still show up as a, like on a disclosure and barring service check, which is essentially the UK version of a criminal background check. The problem is he hadn't committed a crime, and when he asked the officers who arrested him why he was in cuffs, they responded, someone has been caused anxiety based on your social media post. That is why you have been arrested. Also, the officers arrested Harry Miller, a former police officer, for interfering and trying to prevent Brady from his arrest. Miller is partners with the Bad Law Project, which aims to challenge and depoliticize uh, policing in the UK so that he was on site after police had previously stopped by Brady's telling him he'd need to pay to take the re-education course. After being arrested, a cop asked Miller if he had anything on him that could harm me or you, to which he replied, just my razor sharp wit and knowledge of the law. It's a very English thing to do. <laughs> I know. Just my major. Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> Miller won an appeal challenging police guidance on similar hate incidents in December for similar unlawful interference over the right to freedom of expression. 
After a video of the arrest went viral, the police and crime commissioner, Donna Jones, said, I'm concerned about both the proportionality and necessity of the police's response to this incident. When incidents on social media receive not one, but two visits from police officers, but burglaries and non-domestic break-ins don't always get a police response, something is wrong. As police commissioner, I am committed to ensuring Hamster Constabary <laughs> serves the public as people would expect. It appears on the occasion this has not happened. All right, Donna wants to keep her job. I mean, she's I guess got a so. little bit of sense. <laughs> yeah. How ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you got to appreciate that, you know, this is obviously designed to push your buttons, right? That's the stuff that gets floated up and, and mm-hmm. this is the stuff that's going to come down the pipe, both on the right and on the left. And this is certainly one just lined right up down the middle of like absurdity that gets everybody's blood boiling. Yeah. And you have to understand, okay, what's the scale of this? Is this a one-off or like really misguided cops? And, you know, it's it's something that is widespread or not. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's, it's out there to get you riled up. But on the other hand, it's, it's a really good example of the thing that we always complain about is that slippery slope. And here you have an excellent example how in the UK is famous for the slippery slope of like everything, right? It yeah. started with guns and oh, no, you can't have these guns. Now you can't have these guns. Then you can't have single shot. Now you can't have air rifles. Now you can't have a knife. Now you can't have a fork. Yeah. It just like goes and goes and goes. And from what I've seen, again, this is, I don't know how, how accurate my view is, but in the UK, the speech laws have been sliding down a greased hill for quite a while. Like the things you can and cannot post and say and are, I don't think anyone would have expected. And that slippery slope, that slowly boiling water, mm-hmm. uh, this at least, if nothing else, gives you an example of, hey, this is the point we can get to. Uh, if if things continue the way they go, uh, the mm-hmm. way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually really well stated. All right, moving forward, iTunes reviews. We're actually out of iTunes reviews. So if you guys haven't left a review, please do so. And in the meantime, it's time to wrap up. If you guys want to check out social media or any of the news articles or anything like that that I've written, head on over to gunfunny.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, you should consider becoming a Patreon. We're available at patreon.com, or you could just go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link, and you automatically get access to our Facebook group, which hopefully Facebook doesn't ban because, you know, sometimes it's inappropriate. But yeah, so you guys can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Chuck, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find open source defense, where they can find that on social media, and then where they can sign up for the, your newsletter? Sure. OSD, uh, opensourcedefense.org. You can get the kind of the portal there. From there, you can sign up to the newsletter. You can uh, also see the previous newsletters on Twitter, Open SRC Defense. That's more current. Um, you know, we, we can kind of keep a more current feed of what's going on out there. So please uh, join us there. And uh, thank you, Evan. I just want to tell everyone, if you have problems on these social platforms, specifically Facebook or Instagram, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Chuck at opensourcedefense.org. No guarantees, but if you do get taken down for regulated goods, firearms, we have a pretty good chance of, of getting that un, 
messed up for you. Everything else, as far as content, memes, or lost accounts, kind of a different beast. I can't help so much with that. But for certainly for firearms content or related content, I, uh, I'm certainly your man. So awesome. feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. And guys, I will see you next week when I'm recording live from Sturgis. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.